0: Extraterrestrials and aliens at night, twisting and turning in globes of bright light, flying saucers and chariots of gold, visiting Earth in our times of old. From mankind's folly they come to help save, yet others believe they came to enslave. But what if I told you? Good evening. Thank you. We had a little bit of problems this uh, getting started. I've had internet problems over the weekend but uh, we're finally on it And first of all let me thank uh, thank Donald and Douglas Newsome uh, on this radio network. Um, the opportunity thank you very very much. you gentlemen have a lot of courage and, and bravery to allow me to go on. I don't normally get asked to uh, be on a network. So gentlemen, thank you very very much and for those of you who have sent emails and support and anticipating what we want to do thank you as well i do want to uh acknowledge this day in memoriam um to all of the uh ladies and gentlemen that are out there serving our country thank you very very much i know the difficulties and i know what it's like and i do want uh, to make some special comments but not until the end of the program there's some uh Gentleman very close to me that uh, I want to mention. So, um, I had originally planned to talk about extraterrestrials. Uh, probably the most often asked question that I get on emails or even on radio programs was about the Terra papers that I wrote years ago and extraterrestrials, their influence. Um, is it true? What's going on in that? And so I was going to do that, except that something very unusual, well, I shouldn't say unusual, something unexpected occurred. And the second most often question I'm asked are about vision quests and spirit and soul and what is the spirit and how do I increase the spirit? What do I do with the spirit? And so with your indulgence with your patience, uh, we will take uh, calling questions later if if you still want to ask questions. But I want to spend the first possibly 30 minutes, giving you a very brief background, it's going to have to be brief, because this is something that on a vision quest would take two or three days to explain. But let me very quickly, as best as I can, and briefly, we are told in virtually every corner of the world, every religion, every faith, every discipline, even if you have no faith, uh, scientists and psychologists and archaeologists are always talking about the spirit or the soul. So the question is, what is the soul? What is it? And the, 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 the reason why we ask about the soul is, we're also taught, we're also told sometimes it's, you know, forced upon us. But we're told that the way we conduct our lives will dictate what happens to our soul after we pass away. Is there an eternity and where will we go? Do we earn uh, a nice place, a good place, or are we going to be punished forever? What about the soul? What is it? How do I deal with it, control it? How do you know... In my life what do I do with my soul can I direct my soul according to some uh, major faith your fate is already known it's already decided so you're not being tested you're just going through the motions so if your fate is already foretold if it's already planned then you know what it doesn't matter what you do because it's already <laughs> your fate is sealed. But now suppose you have a choice. Suppose there really is such a thing as free will, and you can affect your soul's fate for eternity. If you could, and and bear with me, because there are several notes, quotes that I want to uh, give you directly from experts on the soul. If we are to believe in a God, a divinity, or a deity of some, uh, some sort. And that God is going to help us direct our lives. Should not the words of our God, the one that we pick or we choose, should those words not be absolutely true. That way, we live our lives based on truth. And if there is a divine being, a God, or a deity, shouldn't the words of this God fit with the findings of science? Shouldn't science and the words of God match? And, even better, shouldn't the words of God explain what science cannot? Well, I contend that if there is a God... The words that were given should be true. They should be true 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and they should be true today. Because a life that is lived on words of error, words that are wrong, is a life lived in error. So the words in the past and today should be true, and they should be true in the future what are we going to give to our children are we going to give them faith and belief which has no evidence nothing to support it should we give them a faith based on words of error i say we're still learning i say let us give our descendants our posterity let's give them the fire To seek the truth. Faith and belief are two words. Two concepts that were imposed on humankind by ancient men of power who said, Hey, do what we tell you because we're the God guys. We're the men of God. Do what we tell you. Obey us and you're going to be okay. So what I'm going to say is, you know what? Let's free our young today, and let's free our future children and tell them, look, this is what we have found is true. We don't want to give you belief. Give We want to give you what we have learned. And if we're wrong, then you fix it. You fix what we've told you. So let me very quickly give you what soul is according to the experts. Now, I want to first go to modern references. The Oxford English Dictionary is the most highly recognized reference standard in regards to words and their meanings, what their definitions are. The Oxford English Dictionary says, the soul is the principle of life in man or animals. Now, the Oxford English Dictionary has had thousands of scholars over hundreds-plus years finding out what they could about the soul. They say it is the principle of life in man and or animals. Now, there's also they have also published the Oxford Encyclopedic English Dictionary, which they expand a little bit on what the definition is of a, of a word. So in the encyclopedic dictionary they say the soul is quote the ritual excuse me the spiritual or immaterial part of a human being often regarded as immortal in other words generally the soul is considered to be immortal eternal forever in this case though they left out the animal part and there's a second uh, version of the Encyclopedia Dictionary, in a, and it says, The soul is the moral or emotional or intellectual nature of a person or animal. That really nails it to the wall, doesn't it? The emotional, intellectual, or moral nature of a person or animal. An animal has morality according to England, excuse me, according to Oxford experts. An animal has morality and it has a soul. So let's look at this. Since every cell of life moves, it is animated. Then according to definition, Every single cell of life, every single cell of life must have a soul, which then means a complex cell creature of life, like we human beings. We have trillions of cells that have souls in our body. Each cell is animated, it moves. It must, therefore, by definition, by modern-day experts, it has a soul. We have trillions of souls in our body. But guess what? Uh, The the human being loses an average, more or less, of one million skin cells per day. One million cells are lost from the skin. How many cells are lost inside the body? It's really no way to make any estimate, any call on that. But... We lose a million skin cells a day, we are losing a million souls. We have one million lost souls leaving our body every day, if a cell has a soul. Very quickly, um, I'm just going to mention that it's interesting that in Buddhism, The original and the oldest uh, beliefs and practices in Buddhism speaks about the non-self. It's called the Atman. The Atman is the absence of self. It is a primary key in the doctrine that says that an individual and objects are devoid of an unchanging, eternal, or autonomous substratum. Again, scholars who have worked in India with Hindu and Buddhism and studied it, and they've worked with Oxford scholars, the Oxford Dictionary of Buddhism says that there is no soul. Now, I will grant that there are some modern practices, there are some modern uh, forms of Buddhism that says there is a soul. Okay, that's fine, but the original doctrine, the original principle said Atman, non-self, the absence of self, meaning the absence of soul. (laughs) Here's a good one. In ancient China, they actually described two kinds of souls. There is the Han soul, H-O-N, the Han soul, which rises to heaven when someone passes away. But there is also the Po. P.O. soul. And the Po soul remains with the corpse. So you have two souls, according to ancient Chinese philosophy, the Han soul and the Po soul. Now, if any of you are familiar with my websites or the work that I've done, I want to give you a, 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 a piece of information which for you should be a clue. Where does the word soul come from? S-O-U-L. Where does it come from? The earliest source appears to be a Germanic, maybe proto-Germanic, that's a tough call, a Germanic language, Sula. S-E-U-L-A. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sula. S-E-U-L-A. That is the word the origin of the word, the English word, soul. But do you know what the original meaning of Sula was? Coming from or belonging to the lake. If you know my work and you've looked at the website, that has got to be ringing a bell. Because according to the definition Of Sula, the original definition, coming from or belonging to the lake, which means when a departed soul leaves its mortal body, it returns to a sacred lake. Thank you. Okay. Who would be, in the Western world, the best expert on the soul? Well, any God guy who has received his revelations directly from the Divine One. And, of course, we do have the Word of God. So, what does the Bible say about the soul? Okay. Modern experts, and it's, it's gone on, I think, for a few hundred years, say that... The soul was formed in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Let me quote. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. That is now generally accepted as when man received a soul. God blew the soul into his nostrils. That's where it came from. Nostrils came first. However, however, listen to what some of the early church fathers, the ones who were there shortly after Jesus in the early stages of Christianity forming itself. There is a gentleman His name was Tatianus. He's known as Tatian the the Syrian. And Tatian the Syrian said, quote, now, I'm sorry, this is 160 AD, okay, 160 years after Jesus' uh, death. My apologies for using that word. Tatian said, the soul is not in itself immortal, O Greeks, he was addressing the Greeks, It is not in itself immortal, but mortal to be sure. If it does not know the truth, it dies. So Tatian is saying exactly what I'm saying. We need to know what the truth is. And Tatian in the early stages of Christianity said if you don't know the truth, the soul dies. Therefore, the truth is vital to our existence now comes another really really good friend of mine clement of alexandria early church father i mean beloved 195 a.d woman is transformed into man when she has become equally unfeminine manly and perfect It goes on to say, the soul is not naturally immortal. It is made immortal by the grace of God through faith, righteousness, and knowledge. And knowledge. From about 1200 BC, when the Bible is, the first uh, books of the Bible are, are said to have been written, Israelites never referred to a soul. The body descended to Sheol, which is their version, their word their word for hell, and then it went to Sheol and stayed, or the body rose to heaven. In the 4th century BC, Plato described the spirit of man as the psyche. And so finally, the Israelites, the Greeks, and the world at large began to say, okay, we have a spirit, we have a soul. Okay. The the word that is now often used for soul in the Bible or interpreted as soul is Nefesh and it means breathed on. Okay, or something that takes a breath. So ultimately the breath is the soul, it's the breath that went into Adam's nostrils, etc. etc. But but now, check this one out. Check this one out. There's a gentleman, Saint Thomas Aquinas. He became a saint. And the church said saint thomas aquinas aquinas his teachings are our teachings our doctrine now listen to this very carefully this is a number one god guide. all right in 325 a.d 700 years after plato said there is such a thing as a soul it's called the breath just after the council of nicaea when the book was finally put together St. Thomas Aquinas taught, and the church, and all the early church fathers accepted, the soul did not enter the body of a child until 40 days after it was born. Do you hear this? St. Thomas Aquinas and the church supported his teaching, said the soul did not enter the body of a child until after 40 days. Oh, by the way, that was for a male child. The soul did not enter a female child until 80 days after her birth. A child in the early stages of Christianity was believed not to have a soul 40 days for a boy, 80 days for a girl, but we understand because it's a girl. You know, that's okay. Not only that, here's another one. St. Thomas Aquinas said that male babies come from men with perfect sperm. If he has defective sperm, he's going to have a girl. So, Tommaso de Aquino, St. Thomas Aquinas, said a baby does not have a soul for 40 days for a male, 80 days. Now, ladies and gentlemen why? Why did anyone come up with the concept that it took 40 days or 80 days? Because in the Middle East the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Israelites they practiced child sacrifice Buried in a temple, given to the gods in the Tophet or in the valley of Gehenna. They practiced child sacrifice. So you could take a baby, a male, 40 days, not even 40 days old, and you could go and sacrifice him to a god, and God would be pleased. Of course, the Bible, when they created it, when they put it together in 325 at the Council of Nicaea, they said, no, 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 we can't have that. So, when you read about Abraham taking Isaac to go and sacrifice, Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. But then at the last minute, an angel shows up. Nope, don't got to do it. Just the fact that you're willing to do it says, okay. But you know what? Finish reading that story. There's no mention of Isaac going back with Abraham. The Israelites practice child sacrifice and the Canaanites and the Philistines. It was natural to sacrifice. You'll even find in the Bible men who led Jewish armies and they sacrificed their eldest son or they sacrificed for a temple. They practiced sacrifice. But the important point is the early church fathers said for 40 days there is no soul. So Fortunately, Pope Gregory Thirteenth. he said, No, now, wait a minute. According to the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. You cannot sacrifice a baby and you can't conduct a- abortions. The baby has a soul from the minute it is born. And he said this in 570, excuse me, 585 A.D. 585 A.D. Finally, Oh, I'm sorry. Pope Gregory the Thirteenth was the Pope in 1585. For 1500 years after Jesus, for 40 days a child did not, a male child had no soul, and a and a female baby had no soul for 80 days. amazing. Okay. Now, is there anything in science because I'm gonna if if, uh, if there are any callings, you will let me know because there's so much that I want to squeeze in here. Um, and for those of you that are listening, if you would be so kind as to allow me to continue for at least another five to 10 minutes, I have so much to share with you. Does science have any evidence that that tells us that there is such a thing as a soul. Well, Sean Carroll, a physicist, I mean, this this man is brilliant. And he said that for a soul to exist, it would have to be made up of the particles and the forces in our 4% universe. In other words, a soul has to be part of our universe if it's going to affect our bodies. What he was saying is, you can't cause an effect in our 4% universe unless there is a 4% force or material, particle, energy, something. Well, I disagree. I disagree. I've talked about, on other programs, and if you've seen my website, we've talked about the dark forces, dark matter, and dark energy, the number as to you know how much is dark matter and dark energy in our universe, 75% to 70% dark energy, 21% dark matter. But you know what? They don't know anything about it. They don't know anything about it. All they know is dark energy pushes things outward. It motivates, it pushes, and that's probably what's causing our universe to expand. Dark matter is kind of like gravity. It pulls things together. It's probably at the core of every dark hole. It pulls things together and dark energy pushes it apart. Keep those two in mind. Okay. One pushes and one pulls. Okay. Every single moment. Of the day, every single second, these dark forces run through our 4% dinky little universe, through every planet, every sun, every cosmic cloud of dust, and every human body. A force that pushes, a force that pulls, dark forces, and no one knows, no scientist can actually tell you this is what it does they affect the cells of life. I've argued that a cell of life has dark energy pushing on it from the inside that makes it expand and grow and dark matter that pulls it together that gives it the survival instinct. You can find a lot more on my website on uh, morningsky.com and uh, lost history of womankind it affects the brain, etc. But I'm gonna I want to take a break here I want to give you a chance if you have some questions. But But here's, here's what's interesting. If you have followed my work at all, I have, in the last years, I have encountered a group of Udugan elder women who are absolutely brilliant, and they have some extraordinary wisdom stories. And uh, there's a long story behind it. But let me just say that one of the things that fascinated me that hooked me was there was one woman who talked about wind horses. Now, in the Udugan shamanic ways, and they're all women, by the way, shamaness women, in their wisdom ways, they say there are two wind horses. One wind horse can, if you ride, if you are able to mount, if you're able to use this wind horse, will take you into the stars, take you into the heavens, take you into the beyond. The other wind horse pulls you inside and it gives you courage and it gives you strength and survival instinct and allows you to deal with the world isn't that fascinating one wind horse pulls you away one wind horse pushes you in and according to the wisdom stories they're there they're ready to help us if we know how to call them know how to use them and i am going to argue far too briefly tonight that the two wind horses of the Udugan shamanist women are exactly what science today is calling dark matter and dark energy. The two wind horses are Tengur and Tegger. Tenger will lift you up into the sky, take you into the beyond and into the other world. Tegger gives you strength, instinct to survive and fight and courage and able to deal with the environment. So Tegger, the one who helps you survive this, this this world, this universe, can also lead to, because it focuses on the inside, it focuses on the self, it can lead to greed, it can lead to, to wanting power, it can lead to ignoring other people. It's about being selfish. That's the worst case. If all you do is write Tegger, you're gonna there's a danger there. You can go too far. Tengger, on the other hand, well. Tanger is like oh, it's it's escapism. I don't want this place. I want out. I don't want to do a job I don't want to be part of life. I can't stay in a relationship I just want to be out there. I want a new adventure. I want something. Those are the two wind horses We can go into the linguistics and all of that later on, but these are the two wind horses and what we have to do Is to learn how to number one call a wind horse, which is the same as saying calling on the dark forces, dark matter and dark energy. And they're there, just like the wing horses. They're there. But how do we do that? Udugan shamanism says this is the way you do it. There is a way. But you know what? It's based on truth. You can't believe it's going to happen. You can't have the will to make it happen. You've got to have the wisdom. Knowledge, you know what? one of my favorite gentlemen in in all history was Albert Einstein. And he said that imagination exceeds knowledge. Wisdom comes when you have information, and it's how you use it that that is what wisdom is. So, um, oh, by the way, a clue. I'm going to quote. To find the Mori Abugai. Now the Mori Abugai is the elder or the shamaness, or possibly a shaman, who can help you learn to summon and ride the wind horse. To find the Mori Abugai, seek Pony No More. There you will find the wind horse. Seek pony, no more. Okay. Um, now, what is what does science say about the soul? You know what? I'm almost 40 minutes in. I apologize for the internet problem, but I'm, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a quick one. I'm going to s- skip right towards the end here, and I'm going to give you something that I guarantee you've never heard before. I also guarantee that in the next few weeks, you're going to hear it splashed all over the internet. It's fascinating. After I started talking about the dark forces, dark matter, and dark energy, now, you know what? I I get these emails from people, oh, you know what? Dark matter and dark energy, that's God. Dark matter and dark energy, that's, that's the divinity, the ultimate one. Oh, man. All right. Let me give you something to feed on. Okay, I've talked about two wind horses. They, they are parallels with dark matter and dark energy. Now, listen to this carefully. Science has no idea what dark matter and dark energy are. They don't know how they work. They don't know what they do. They're making up guesses, reasonably intelligent guesses, but they don't know. Not two weeks ago, I received... A story. There is a third wind horse, Tegus, T-E-G-U-S. Tegus. And this wind horse rides between Tegger and Tenger. It is this third wind horse in between the two. It is comprised of both Tegger and Teg- Tenger and Tegger. So you know what that says? What it says is that in between dark matter and dark energy there is a third force in science. There's a third force and it's made up of dark matter and dark energy. And this third unknown force it doesn't just pull you away or push you away. This is where it comes together Could this be the source of the soul? Absolutely. A mysterious third force that is right on that razor edge in the Apache world. We call it la rifa. La rifa was that knife blade edge that you could fall off on either side, but that's the edge. That's the sharpness. That's where the truth lies, is right in the middle. And I'm going to argue That there is a third force comprised of dark matter and dark energy right in between the two, and that that particular force is the motivating principle of life. Can I provide evidence? Absolutely. In far too brief, a few moments. I hope, and and if you get a chance, look up the concept of self-organization and be prepared it's going to be a toughie. According to science, there is such a thing as self-organization. Now, self-organization means that when you have a mass or a body of something, I mean, you could have like a cloud, you could have just cosmic dust or a cloud of energy or something. Something happens in this cloud, a random fluctuation. Something happens in this cloud And pieces of it begin to come together for no reason. There's nothing, no cause on the outside. There's no cause on the inside. For some unknown reason, these things come together. Self-organization. It shouldn't happen, but it does. It violates the principles of entropy, but it happens. And so these particles come together And they form a body, a body that begins to unite, to join, and get them to work together. And then again, this is far too brief, there is another scientific theory that when self-organization occurs, (laughs) there is something that is known as criticality. There is a critical point where all of a sudden the body becomes a more complex, more unified. The different parts of the body, be it energy or life cells or cosmic dust, whatever it is, will come together and they begin to form a very complex body where each individual part begins to contribute. It takes on a specific role, a specific identity, and it contributes to the entire body. And so they can't explain it. Why is it that when you have a mass, for example, dark energy, according to self-organization, somewhere in dark energy, a body is going to form. For some unknown reason, no known cause, you're going to have a body that forms. And then eventually there's going to be this critical point or all of a sudden this, what they call a random fluctuation or noise, boom! You suddenly get a more complex creature, uh, 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 body and it begins to grow and develop and grow and develop and grow and develop. That is precisely what happens with the cells of life, individual cells of life. They join together for their own benefit, excuse me, for the benefit of the body, but for their own benefit. And then somehow you get... Two, four, six, twelve, and they continue to grow, and the body grows. And all of a sudden, something happens, and they each take on a specific role. For the good of the entire body, they take on a specific role. And you get a complex creature. And then, well, this is probably too much, but there is such a thing as apoptosis, where some of those individual parts of the body will die off for the sake of of the body. Science has things like self-organization, criticality, uh, emergence, apoptosis, that says we don't know how, we don't know why, but all of a sudden you get these bodies that come together and they become more complex and they become more advanced and they start doing things that individually these bodies could never have done. That's emergence. That is what Udugan shamanist women taught thousands of years ago. Now you see when I first heard this I thought how the heck did they know this? How could they possibly have known about dark forces dark energy And what's fascinating is that I grew up in the Apache world. I grew up in, my granddad used to tell me, Darren, he would say, you know what, you've got a spirit stallion inside of you. There's a stallion that's going to take you anywhere you want to go. The the widest river, the highest mountain, it'll take you into the stars. But you have to be careful. Whatever you feed, whatever you put in your mouth, you're feeding your stallion. And if you keep your stallion and don't exercise it in it, he's not going to have any strength. So the spirit stallion of the Apache fit in with the Udugan, and I'm going, my goodness. And then it fits in with all the physics courses and all the courses that I ever took in the technical sciences in university and have continued to do. How did the Udugan women know these things? You got one of two choices. They were able to go out into space. Maybe they took a ride on a wind horse. And they went out there and they saw it. Or maybe there was an extraterrestrial visitor. Either one. Possible. So, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize in advance because I need your help. There is an elder that I need to make contact with. And I'm sure you at the same, you know, in this same time of year, we don't have the funds, please, if, if you can make a donation on the front page of my com site, please, you know, anything you can do to help us, we, you know, how expensive airplane tickets are, you know, how expensive it is to do that. We need more Udugan wisdom, we need more of what they know so that we can make it fit with the science of today so we can hand this to our granddaughters and our great granddaughters and our daughters in the future and to our sons in the future who will take honor and pride in knowing that they're altered females that they are true Templar Knights so I need your help Okay, if you can do that, I apologize. I'm going to be running out of time here fairly quickly, so I also want to let you know that there are a lot of people who are using my name. They are saying I said these things, or they're putting papers up they said I I produced, or they're saying studies that I... uh, just the other day, for example, there's a gentleman, this just, it, you know, it's funny, it's tragic, but that's the way of the world. He, he sent me an email and he said, you know, there's a video on, you know, on YouTube. It's uh, the video She, if you haven't seen it. I've got four or five videos up now. By the way, I had no idea. I'm not a techie. I've never done YouTube. I don't watch YouTube. I'm fascinated. It is an incredible, credible tool. Amazing. But anyway, he sent me an email. <laughs> he said, Robert... Is this you? Is this your video or somebody using your name and goodwill? And I said, you know, thank you uh, for your email. Uh, But yes, it it is my video. And he said, great. Would you please put me on your email list and use the address morningsky at blah, blah, blah? He calls and is concerned. If someone's using my name, then he turns around and uses my name, wants to use my name. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want my name being used for an email address. You're going to love this part. That's that's not the best part. I then received several emails from this gentleman calling me names, raking me over the coals, telling me that I'm not you know being helpful to those people who want to learn from me that i'm lost in the history and don't know modern courtesy the hypocrisy is just astounding but that's where it is look 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 guys we need the truth we need the truth that's the only way we're going to be able to use our spirit in the proper way all these people that believed in, in the church and they said, oh you know what? it's the, the the earth is the center of the universe. They believed it. they took the words of the God guys. they lived it. Not only that, There are those who said, okay, 40 days for a baby, a male, 80 days for a female, and they sacrificed their babies because God guys said it was okay. Now today, that's about as mortal a sin as you can get. Now what happened to those people who believed in the God guys? And what's going to happen to the people today that believe in a Bible that keeps saying the wrong things? You know the statement Jesus made, I didn't come for peace. you got to hate your mother, hate your father, hate your children, hate your brothers and sisters. He said that. It's in the Bible. Look, 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 look. My apologies. If you like the Bible and you want to believe in it, please do. Uh, Relegate this to the rantings and ravings of a a renegade Indian out there. And I want to take a moment because this is a very special day me um i would like after i speak these few words to spend the last minute or two uh, in silence and i think you'll understand in honor of my fallen brothers of the 305 We swore if we survived, we would champion our cause of fire. I still stand. I will continue. In honor of you, my brothers, tonight was for you. My apologies. In silence, please. And Donald and Douglas, thank you very, very much. Thank you to those of you who are listening. My apologies for not taking a call. I've I've got to go. Extraterrestrials and aliens at night. Twisting and turning in globes of bright light. Flying saucers and chariots of gold visiting Earth in our times of old. So why did they come, and why did they leave? Or did they remain, and we can't perceive? And next time, I'll tell you...